Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
showing. We weren't able to make it at the studio this week. Not a big deal. This is a no nice little swap for now. Yeah, we got uh, thanks to the journalism department here at Concordia. We're going to be back and see, uh, see Jello next week. You guys are the real MVPs. Yeah, you guys it. are the real MVPs. That's it. And uh, big week for Italian soccer, as we know it. And it's good to be back because we didn't have the show last week. And we come back and, you know, we only got two games to talk about in, in reality. But uh, we got we got a lot of goals the past two days. Twelve goals, in fact. Italy 3 nothing over Bosnia. Or is it 3-1? It was 3-0. It was 3 nothing. It was 3 nothing. And then 9-1 over Armenia, the... Uh, to cap off the uh, Euros with 10 wins in Palermo. And we're actually going to talk to Anthony Barbagallo, all the way from Australia, uh, later on. Well, okay. I, already, I already spoke to him, but uh, but uh, we're going to have that in about 30 minutes' time. How are you guys feeling about this Italy team? I'm feeling excited. I don't know. It's been uh, quite a long time since uh, I think we can be excited about this, uh, this national team that we have. And, um, I mean, after, obviously, the disappointment that we went through, uh, over the past couple of years, and uh, you know, not making the World Cup, and now you know having to rebuild under Mancini. I think uh, I think everybody, I think most people are probably shocked and probably surprised at how good you know this team is is rolling right now. And obviously, ten wins out of ten uh, in qualifiers. I think it's eleven straight uh, wins for the team uh, in all competitions. So I mean, I think it's uh, it's important that you know we took the steps in the right directions uh, under Mancini, and I think everybody is on board and. Like I said, uh, you know, pretty much since day one, um, with a new manager coming to put his bind into the system, uh, you know, managing expectations and just, um, you know, everybody uh, being cohesive, I think, uh, goes a long way. And I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody can see that with this, uh, this Italy squad. About a year ago, we, when we had these discussions of a year and a bit more, we came to a, con- a consensus that we had a really good young Italian squad full of, full of potential and we deserved a better fate. And I think that, you know, it's um, it's a good wake up. Uh, it's a good wake up call in a sense for us that, that, that you know what this is refreshing to see, and we actually have the talent that it's able to be lethal up front, solid in the back, and controlling in the mid. So it's it's all positivity. Ten wins out of ten is big, mind you. We had a very easy group. We haven't been tested fully yet, but. Uh, it's all positive signs. It's really hard to find a negative in all this. So, 10, uh, 10 qualifying games, 37 goals scored, 4 goals Wasn't conceded. Wasn't it 39? No, 37. It was 37? Okay. 4 goals conceded. Okay. Quiz time for you guys. Okay. This is something we've never done on our show. We usually do it on our uh, on our social media on Instagram. Thursday, Throwback Thursday quiz last week. Last week we had Roma. Yeah. It was Roma last week. Yeah. Fiorentina, Milan, not uh, yeah. Give us our suggestions as to what team we should we should do. Audax uh, Cervinara. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you keep? No, nobody knows that team. I it's don't know like, anything about that history. It's, it's, it's like a really like amateur team. It's like it's my mom's hometown. It's like their professional soccer team of that small hometown, and it's like I think they're like in a league. Like I think it's probably less than Serie D. I think it's just like. Yeah, it's just they kind of get paid like a little bit of cash to play in there, but it's not like you're not going to have a career out of it type yeah. of thing, like you're doing other jobs too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but anyways. Yeah, but quiz time on the show. Okay, so 37 goal scored. Okay. 19 different goal scores. All right. How many of those goal scores can you name? Collectively. All right. You so, guys have to team up now. Okay, so we got Quagliarella. Yeah. Keen. Yeah. Uh, Immobile. Belotti. Bellotti, uh, Chiesa, Zagnolo, um, 
Romagnoli. Jorginho. Yeah. Uh, Barella. Yeah. Verratti. Uh, yes. Sensi. Yes. Yes, he did. Uh, Acerbi. Oh, yeah, Acerbi. He uh, scored what, his first, I think. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Orsolini. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, We're at, what, 12 or 13 right now? I, I think right now um, we didn't name I think yeah, I'm missing the, at least... Insignia hasn't scored two, yet. At least three more. Insignia, Insignia, yeah, Insignia, yeah, Insignia, Insignia. Yeah. He scored one, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he actually scored three. Yeah. He actually scored... Wow. <laughs> the, one like I met, the, the one I remember is uh, the one, the, the volley outside the box. That's the one I remember. Yeah. Um, Bernadeschi? Bernad- yeah, Bernadeschi. He scored. Yes. Are you guys keeping track? No. I thought it was your job. I forgot to bring the pen in. No, but I think we're at 14. Yeah. We're missing five more. No, no. Uh, five more? We well, said 19, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we're missing five more. No, you're, you're more than... Uh, definitely three guys you haven't named. Okay. Possibly four. Miragi? No, he didn't score. Yeah, I don't he think score? he scored one. Did Di Lorenzo? No, Di Lorenzo no, didn't score one. Miragi didn't score. Florenzi, did he score one? No. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll get to it. So you missed. You missed. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm trying to look at the right backs and left backs. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scream if it's somebody. Uh, if who else jumped in? So you missed El Sharawi. Ah, okay. You missed Pavoletti. Yeah, but El Sharawi was really early on in qualifications. Uh, and what? More, more recently, and what? Lasagna. Yeah, no, he didn't score. No, no. no? Um, was did you say Benucci? No. Uh, yeah, so I, Benucci I, scored. Why, 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 uh, why would we talk about that guy for? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I believe that you, you mentioned everyone else. So quickly to go over: Barella, Keane, Sensi, Veraghi, Pagliarella, Pavoletti, Insigne, Bonucci, Pellegrini, Immobile, Jorginho, Bellotti, Bernadeschi, Romagnoli, Estrarawi, Acerbi, Zaniolo, Orsolini, and Chiesa, so as they, well as an own goal from uh, Aram Arapetian from Armenia. <laughs> so uh, so we, nine, missed, we missed five. Nine, then. nine players scored their first goal for Italy during okay. the qualifiers. All right, so you know so it's Keane, Chiesa, Zaniolo, uh, uh, Sensi, Barella. I didn't say Orsolini. There's Orsolini, Romagnoli because I I doubt a defender ever scores. Uh, probably Acerbi, no. Uh, Pellegrini. Pellegrini, that's eight. No, you oh, nine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Pellegrini, <laughs> is the yeah. Okay, so there you have it. Nineteen. That's crazy. And. I mean, we're, we're all happy here. So we got a, a couple questions in on our Instagram at the Culture Guys. Uh, it's good to see. We had a few questions in this week, including uh, one, from one of our own, Gianni Delacoli. I do not understand this question. Why is Federico Chiesa the next uh, Vieri and Nicolo Daniolo the next Tati? We're, we're just going to skip over that. Um, you know what? You know what question I want to start with? This is not coming from our Instagram. This is from our Twitter, from our friends at the Culture Podcast. Yeah, good guys over there. Um, they're growing, uh, they're growing mustaches to support November. Head out, yeah. Check out their page, the Cultural Podcast, on Twitter uh, mm-hmm. to find out how to support them. And they asked us, who would our starting 11 be for Euro 2020? And I think we almost had a consensus starting lineup, so Donnarumma and Nets. Yeah, no easily. easily. Moret, I know there's been a lot of uh, debate on Twitter. Yeah, Moret I don't know how that started. I don't know how it's like. I Probably at Zuri Fanfil. Because, like, I, <laughs> I love that guy. Shout out to Zuri Fanfil. No, yeah. but, like. I love Meret, but I mean, like, 
honestly, like I always said, he's a he's a solid he's a solid number two for Italy. He's not he's not going to pass Donnarumma. I'm not saying he's. Yeah. I'm not Even saying Sirigu, he. Sirigu could be a number two. Uh, yeah. as a veteran presence. But, listen, listen, I mean, uh, Donnarumma. We're lucky that we have you know two guys that we can that we can probably count on three. If you obviously include the Sirigu there, but two young guys in Donnarumma and Maret that we can count on for the Italian national team going forward. I think we're it's uh, we're lucky and it's you know it's a good competition going into Milan. Yeah, like uh, I, my only issue. On at my only criticism on Donnarumma is his ball handling outside the yeah, box with yeah. his feet, or even within the box with his feet. It's yeah. just it's scary sometimes. The, the shot stopping is second to none. Yes, I think in the world. Yes, but overall okay, as a that's, goalie, that's big. I mean, he, he is a six foot five. <laughs> yeah, keeper, oh, easily, and that helps. I'm I'm just talking about him. He's still like what twenty twenty yeah. years old. Yeah, I'm just talking about him making saves. But overall, yes. as a goalkeeper mentality. Uh, ball control, those are things he needs to work on. Yeah, definitely, because, like, there's, remember, like, we were watching games where he made these very, like, scary plays where if he messed up a pass, that's an, that's a given ball to the opposing team, and it would have scored easily on the national team. But anyways, we're getting off topic here, but I don't want to criticize Donnarumma, but he's clearly number one. Okay, uh, defense. So what we put it as when we, we tweeted it out, uh, Berardi, Romagnoli, Bonucci, Di Lorenzo, I think I think a few of those positions could still be contested for, yeah. contested for, especially at fullback. Florenzi, he hasn't had the best season. He could come out and and earn his spot. Di Lorenzo right now has earned his spot 100. percent He's on a good hot streak. Yeah, uh, left back. Um, we say Berardi, but I think that's the weakest position right now. Yeah. Emerson has been uh, mainly the starting left back. I, I, I guess it's because we haven't seen him enough. Playing um, in Chelsea. Playing, yeah, playing in Italy, he's playing in England. I guess we haven't seen it, seen, it, seen him enough. He's a good offensive option, but I think Bragg is the better uh, defensive option. And then Romagnoli, if if he's also another, yeah, another uh, yeah. option. Oh, but like, when, when was the last time we actually had a good left back? Yeah, pretty much. And then Romagnoli, but uh, depends if Kalini comes back uh, from injury. Yeah. Uh, and then midfield. For right now, yeah, Romagnoli. Yeah. But midfield, we got a couple of minutes before we have to take yeah, a, yeah, a okay. quick break. Okay. Um, midfield, Barella, Jorginho, uh, Verratti. I think there's no yeah, question consensus. about that. Yeah, uh, consensus. But 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 a swap in of Sensi every yeah, once in a while. No, he, yeah. He's like the fourth man. He, he's yeah. gonna come on as a sub. Yeah, and I think quickly if, if he would have been healthy right now, I think he probably would have been maybe over there uh, over Barella. But uh, I, I'm, I'm confident with the group that we have. And then uh, an attack. So we put the Insigne, the Mobile, Keza. I think all three all three positions are left to fight for, yeah. including Mobile, yeah. because obviously Bellotti is not a bad option. No. Keza, there's Orsolini, El Shawawi. Um, We're very lucky. Bernadeschi. Yeah. Like, for some reason, he makes his coaches happy, even though yeah. he's not a great player. But Bernadeschi is a great player. He's got a lot of talent, and when he uses it, when he utilizes it properly, he gets the results from it. Um, but think about this. We have so much attacking options. I don't think I've ever really seen an Italian squad since maybe, what, 02 to, like, 98 to 06 have all this offensive options. That's it. I think these guys right now, Insigne and Wilkwood, uh, Chiesa, you know, they're hot right now. Um, if they'll be hot come, uh, you know, June 2020, it's, it's you know, it's way to be, way to, way to be seen. But um, I think, I mean, as of right now, I think these guys are the hottest. Uh, if the Wilkwood can continue on the streak that we keep on nagging them for, uh, you know, he's going to score for a Gazzuri just like he does for Lazio. I think going into this uh, competition, you know, we're, we'll, be, uh, we'll be pretty I confident. Ac- I actually, like, I actually think that besides Immobile, I think there's more pressure on on the on the wingers because, um, because like, the wingers are going to have to give 
Immobile the ball. I don't think I doubt Immobile finishing when he gets the ball in the target area, but the wingers themselves have to be very creative, which they are capable of. Insigne doesn't have to do the cut to the right move and shoot the right foot type of thing. Like, they can't be predictable. They need to get in there and they need to uh, get the play going. So we're going to take a short break. After break, uh, we're obviously be talking more at Zuni and uh, definitely tune in flat. Soccer is full of emotion. Red cards, penalties, and late goals make it a beautiful game. And if this gives you goosebumps... then you should probably listen to the Calcio guys. We talk everything about European soccer, focusing on the Italian Serie A league. We also connect soccer fans in Montreal to the beautiful game. With myself, Nicolas DiGiovanni, Adriano DiNardo, and Gianni Dallacali. Tuesdays from 2 to 3 p.m., only on CJO 1690 AM or CJO.com. Welcome back to the Calcio guys. Unfortunately, we could be in uh, CJO this week, so we'll have a, we, we still got uh, the journalism department here at Concordia. I like this room. <laughs> Yes. And um, so continuing with our, our questions on, yeah. um, on our Instagram at the Calcio Guys, also send us questions on Twitter uh, during our, our live shows. Um, we got a few from our friend uh, Joseph uh, from Calcio Fan Blogs. Is Zaniolo a shoe in for Italy's Euro 2020 squad? squad? We were just talking about the attack. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think he's a shoe in right now. No. A shoe in? No, he's, he's, more he's of a shoe out. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but uh, no. I mean, I mean, I think I think uh, Mancini would be uh, crazy not to include him into the squad. Uh, oh, he's I definitely think a spark off the bench. Uh, like I, I personally think a spark off the bench. Zanioli, you know, he's electric for Roma. Uh, you know, uh, I think he was one of the youngest uh, Roma player to score for the Italian national team. So, uh, shoe in. I would. I'm personally going to say no. Include him into the squad. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, coming off the bench, I mean, I think he can he can change the game, and I think he gives uh, you know presence in the midfield, presence in the attack, and I think uh, you know he, he brings a lot of quality to the squad, and uh, I'd be excited to see him uh, you know in this tournament. I so, think, uh, Danny, I was going to ask you another question. Oh, okay, sure, because uh, I was like, I know it was one of my boys, uh, but all right, <laughs> um, it's we, all good. We got we got to move on. Okay, um, this one's from Genoa CFC Canada. Um, we've got to talk more about Genoa. Genoa. Maybe we'll uh, talk some in the future. Yeah, it's a good page over there. Follow them over there. Where, where do you see the Azzurri uh, arrive at Euro 2020? Like, I, hope, like, I hope I plane or by bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably by bus since that you're going to plane Rome. They so, might walk. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, like, when, you say, ar- when you say <laughs> arrive, you mean, like... like, like how far are they going to go? Oh, so pretty much... Um, if they... <sighs> It's really hard to pinpoint it because it depends on the groups and depends on their matchups and whatnot. I I wouldn't be surprised if they reach semis. I think they are capable of doing that. Uh, it's just, like I said, my one question mark is the fact that Italy has not played against a top-tier team in the groups in the group stages and whatnot. The only time they ever played against top-tier teams was that uh, was that you. Um, the what the Nations, hell, League. T- Nations League against Portugal and Poland and those like you could say Poland's more like middle tier and Portugal's top tier like and if you watch those games they didn't really do that well they got they one game they got manhandled by Portugal and it was an injured Portugal so um, to be honest I, I think they can reach semifinals they have the the talent to do so they're very solid in almost every position. But now it's this team's chemistry, this team gelling. Like, how are they going to play in face of pressure and opposition and challenge and challenges? And I think when we talk about how well Italy is going to do in Euro 2020, and you know the fact that they, 
like, did not play in that World Cup. The fact that many of these players have yet to play in a major tournament could be huge. Yeah. That obviously work against Italy because they do not have that uh, pressure test. Obviously, these are professional players. Some of them are playing in Champions League, uh, like Bernadeschi, who's, you know, he, he was monster in that uh, round of 16 Champions League match last year against Atletico. But uh, it, there's nothing like playing, you know, for your country, playing with these other players in a bigger tournament, especially they're going to be at home for those first three games. So they're going to have to come out strong. Uh, that first game, obviously, draw is going to be early December, I believe. Okay. So we're going to have to see who their group is. They, they're, they're in pot one. They're going to get drawn as pot one, group A. Yeah. Uh, they're going to host that first game June 15th. My guy's birthday. Yeah, make yourselves make yourself free that day. We'll try to get a few a viewing party going. <laughs> it's all uh, work. Yeah, I can take June 15th off. I this question. I think you know, a lot of fans are, are, you know, are predicting with their heart more than their head. Uh, obviously, no. no <laughs> That's but, a good point. But no, That's a good point. That's a good point. Honestly, I mean, me too. Uh, I, I'm a little bit guilty of that. But obviously, I think uh, my heart says, you know, go all the way to the final and hopefully win the thing. But, uh, you know, my head says uh, probably some means I would agree with Johnny. Uh, I agree with you too, Nick. I mean, uh, you know, these guys will have the experience. I've seen a lot of uh, comments on the social media. Our, our buddy, Jan, uh, Michael Montreal, good friend of yours, um, you know, he's been saying that, you know, they haven't had the test, the real test. They've been, you know, playing subpar teams and, uh, I mean, I do agree with that, but I think going into a tournament setting, everything is washed out. I think it, it, it's, it's a new, it's a new tournament, it's a new, it's a new vibe, and I think uh, it's you know it's where you know uh, champions are made, and uh, I think you know this team, this young team can 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 do you know some great things, and I hope for the best for this one. And another question that we got from uh, Fiorentina America, huh? yeah, Fiorentina America. Oh wow! Um, oh, wow. Who, who do you predict uh, will make the Euro final? So uh, I wanted to talk about some of the other teams going into this tournament, mm-hmm. Belgium. They were also 9-0 heading into their last qualifier that, today against my uh, dark Cyprus horse team. <laughs> Kosovo, I forget. Um, obviously, yeah, they're, they're a great team. France, Portugal, eh, eh, you know. Um, the Finland could be a dark horse. We saw how they played against yes. Italy. They're, they're a good team. Um, so, Shout out to Ukraine. Ukraine, Ukraine. Ukraine is up there too yeah, now. Ukraine. They're getting they're getting better. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. There's obviously the favorites. You know, you got France, you got Germany, you got the, you know, obviously Belgium, like you said. Uh, my, as I said, my heart says Italy, but um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. Portugal, too. Uh, another name, Spain. Another, another one. Um, you know, Portugal uh, defied all odds last last tournament and uh, and won the whole thing uh, against France in France. So uh, I mean, anything's possible in, in these types of matches, and especially when it comes down to you know one uh, one game knockout. So uh, you know, I. You know, I would. I want to see some upsets. You know, I want to see some some teams go far uh, and and you know, you know, shock the world. But uh, I don't know. I think the the usual suspects of uh, France, Germany, uh, Spain, you know, England too, uh, probably will be up there. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. I a prem head now. <laughs> no, I'm not prem head, but uh, I mean, I think it's just the reality of, of, of you know these tournaments and uh, you know the top dogs. You know, do well. It's not always you know the hottest team going to the tournament that does the best, but. Uh, that's where for Italy, I'm, I'm a little scared. Obviously, you know, they went perfect, and uh, hopefully they can carry that over to the tournament. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just the reality of, the, of this tournament. I personally always try to hope for Belgium to do well because their yeah. golden generation is about to end, yeah. and that, that roster is too good to to not win something. So I kind of hope they would, like, I mean, like if it's not Italy, them, but to pick up the pick a winner or finalists, uh, you also have to wait for the draws. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, it's, it's hard to it's see. Hard it's a fixed bracket. 
I mean, the easy choice would be, oh, yeah, France, but then England's probably a very strong offensive team that's and, going to be hard to slow them down. And the semifinals and finals at Wembley. So they have that motivation if, to get if there. If they get to the semifinals, they have that home field advantage. Um, a couple of minute, a minutes before we have to cut to our interview with uh, Anthony Barbagallo. Um, going back to the city, yeah. do, do you want to do you want to talk about the city first, or do you want to wait until we uh, bring a matching thirteen, or do you, do you just want to continue with the Azzurri? Because I still have another topic to bring up with the Azzurri. Yeah, let's keep on with the national team. Yeah, the national team is fresh. It's fresh in the mind. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's our Azzurri special today. Yeah, and, you know, it's the last time we get to talk about them until March as well. Ooh. March and then, uh, and then and then June and then June. Yeah, I'm already getting nervous. I'm so excited. Uh, it's 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 great, admi- great atmosphere here near Montreal. If uh, anyone is listening outside of the city and you have the opportunity to come to Montreal during the Euros, uh, come. There's so many cafes and a lot of Italians in the city, and it's always a great atmosphere, even in the West Island, where there's not as many Italians. We uh, we get the party starting, uh, started each other. Tra- tradition we've uh, we started back in 2006, waving our flag along uh, the Salisbury. But uh, back to the, the whole squad. Yes. Do you think there are players right now who haven't been playing on the team who could surprise everybody and make the team? You know, maybe like Mario Baltelli, maybe Chicho Caputo. Uh, that's like, that's yeah. That's as well. I mean, like, I, I guess, uh, well, Kutone just scored two goals for the U21 team, no? Yeah. Uh, this past weekend. Um, I mean, the one that's the most obvious out of everybody who's not on the current roster has to be Balotelli. I think he's the biggest name. He's the, he is the biggest name. Uh, Imagine he won't call up on him until he starts producing for Brescia. So, you know, if, uh, yeah, if he wants just, to get into that squad, I think he needs to perform a bit better. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, Quagliarella, as much as we love him, He's been cold. He's been cold this whole this whole season. Exactly, and it's and you have to look at it in the sense that, as as much as this guy is able to put it in the net, what's the chemistry of the team like? What what's the what's the team dynamic? And to be honest, right now, I think the dynamic is more for fast on the wings, have a strong striker in the mid. I need to have these creative guys. That's why, like the one that probably the reason why we chose our probable lineup. I think that's yeah. like, I, I I have a hard time interchanging them. Like you could swap Chiesa with Bernadeschi. You could swap Insigne with El Shawari. Let's say if you choose El Shawari. But I mean, like, and then in the middle you could swap Immobile for Belotti. You know, and it's and it's it's already six forwards. Yeah. Like you. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of hard to swap any of the forwards out, even for for Balotelli to get himself in there. He's going to have to prove a point as to why he should be considered over Bellotti, for example. I think just to have that killer instinct up top, Bellotti has to, has to be there. Uh, you know, I love Bellotti. I'd love to see him play. Oh, the guy did so much for us. For, for Italy. And another uh, probably surprise name under the radar guy, who also got his first call up, uh, Gaetano Castrovilli. Uh, personally, I think he's, he could be a spark, like a Zaniolo-esque. Yeah. He can be a spark coming into the midfield, uh, changing the game, changing the pace, and just being electric. Uh, a young kid, uh, I think he's like, what, 23 years old, playing for Fiorentina. Uh, I think he can, you know, change the game as well. My God, so. yeah, even the mid, if you think about it, it's yeah. a pretty locked-up mid. Like, here, there are three plus Sensi, that's the fourth. And then you got Zaniolo, who can play, and that's the fifth. Like, it's... It's really hard to interchange a lot of these players and say, okay, well, why should this guy deserve a call up over this guy? And it's, and it's like I know it's like we're we've ten games that have only passed for the national team, but we've seen it with like over the seasons that passed, like in Serie A, with the way the players played on the actual club teams, and now for the national team and the way they play together, and I feel like as if. Um, 
I can't. I can't. I'm. I'm. I actually am speechless right now because <laughs> so, I can't think of anything more. So, so <laughs> if this squad wants to continue on this page, they probably should be playing in Palermo rather than Rome. But anyways, we'll have a uh, special guest, Anthony Barbagallo uh, from Sicilian Football on Twitter, Instagram uh, as a special guest. So definitely tune in for that. Sangue Catanes, Sangue Catanes, Sangue Catanes, Sangue, 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 Sangue Catanes. A Catania ci sono cresciuto, la mia città me la porto da presso. Tra ragazzini che girano in bici che sanno parlare soltanto in dialetto. Pure se parli italiano mi sgami lo stesso, frate dall'accento. Welcome back to the Calcio Guys. We have a special guest this week all the way from Australia, originally from Sicily, or rather his family is originally from Sicily, Anthony Barbagallo, who also has uh, or controls uh, Sicilian Calcio on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, as we do with our most get with most of our guests, Anthony, we want to know how you got into football and how you started this uh, Sicilian football page. Serie A culture. I mean, just being Italian is um, automatically, you know, that qualifies you for for being a football lover. Um, so that, that that's part of being Italian, uh, especially you know uh, abroad um, in Australia, like the channels like Ray International. That that's where I grew up, watching a lot of um, Serie A games and just you know developing a love for the game of soccer. Um, and then you could say that the 26, 2006 World Cup is when um, I really um, started, you know, getting into football at the age of, you know, 10 years of age. Um, you know, looking at the, watching the players like Buffon, uh, Del Piero, uh, it, was, it was really um, a way that, I don't know, sparked that, that thing into me, you know, to, to watch culture. Um, in terms of uh, Sicilian football, I, I wanted to uh, originally write a book on it one day and do a trip in Sicily and, you know, cover all the teams, you know, like from, you know, whether from pro- professional to lower league. Um, but then I decided uh, around December last year to – uh, make a uh, an online community of Sicilian football to you know cover in the English language, cover Sicilian teams in the English uh, English language. So teams from um, Catania, Palermo, Trapani, uh, Messina—they're the main teams. Um, and then talk about uh, the lower tier teams. So teams like. Um, Achiriali or teams like um, uh, Marsala in Serie D. So, yeah, no. Um, so I've been doing all that on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, been covering it all through there. And almost, I think, so in football, the page has almost reached 5,000 followers in total, including uh, those three platforms on social media. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I am, uh, about to finish my journalism degree. So my main, uh, goal is to be like a top football writer, exclusively writing on football in Italy and 
I've added this Sicilian football side project as, you know, as a unique type of uh, specialty to have, which I think um, it's been getting me good contacts um, with players in Sicily, with uh, teams. I get to do um, collaborations with uh, smaller clubs, uh, interviews with players. Um, and it's basically the, the number one thing I wanted to do was to connect Sicilian football fans in Sicily and the ones abroad in Canada, USA and uh, Australia. And I, and I want to show how Sicilian fans are just as passionate as the ones on the mainland. So, yeah, that, that's basically why I wanted to start Sicilian football. Well, first of all, how do you keep up with um, all the all these Sicilian teams? Like, I mean, the lower leagues, uh, I know they work a bit differently. There's the, the city of Chi, there's different, um, it goes by region. Like, can you explain uh, how it's, it's separated by region how, and how you keep up? Yeah, so... Because there's no Sicilian teams at the moment in Serie A, so the majority are playing in Serie C or Serie D. But so I, I follow. We cover Trapani, which is the only team to play in the top two leagues of Italy in Serie B. And then you have Catania in Serie C, and then you have uh, a team from Lentine, which is in the province of Siracusa, and they're called Sicula Leonzio. So we cover those three teams from Serie B to Serie C. And then I cover all the nine Sicilian teams in Serie D. So those Sicilian teams in Serie D are obviously Palermo, the biggest club in Sicily after they've had to restart. Um, Arciriali, FC Messina, HR Messina, uh, Licata, Bianca Villa, uh, a team from... Enna, which is called Troina, and then Marina di Ragusa and Marsala. So in terms of how do you follow all that, well, I, I just um, I look at all the uh, games uh, broadcasted over there in Italy. I uh, watch a lot of highlights. I keep up with um, the club's news on social media. Um, and then there's uh, an app also that has really good news. It's called Tutto Campo, and they cover from Serie A all the way to the eighth division in Italy. So, yeah, um, that's the, the main core of Sicilian teams, Sicilian football um, follows and covers. And then we do a bit of Estilenza, uh, which is the fifth division. Um, so there's two groups uh, which is Group A and Group B that we cover, and um, so uh, about that uh, about that Palermo. I mean, just how they're how are they doing this season in uh, in City D and uh, just like what's their their situation like for their fans and just for the not only the the community in Palermo but for the whole like Sicilian community. Yep. So Palermo, they're first at the moment in in their group, which is Group I. There's um. I think it's, it's eight or nine groups in Serie D, so it's, yeah, it's a lot of groups. Uh, but they're currently top. Um, they've won 10 games out of 11. So they just lost on the weekend to a team called Savoia. But um, apart from that, you know, Palermo is doing really well in their group. Um, 
not, you know, winning games comfortably, some of them, and then winning games, you know, just clinching them and that, but doing just enough to, to stay on top. There's 31 points at the moment on 31, so I think that's nine points in front of the team in second, which is Archery Island. Um, so they've got a, a good cushion, you know, up there. Um, the fans uh, the fans are setting all sorts of records in terms of crowd attendance. Um, I think the game they played against Licata three or four weeks ago, uh, that was, I think, a crowd of over 20,000. And for a steady a big game to have over 20,000, it says it says a lot about the the passion uh, the Palermidani hold for football. And um, so, besides Palermo, uh, obviously you mentioned Catania uh, is probably the other bigger team. But um, you know, there's a lot of these smaller teams, and this is probably just uh, a problem with most of the South. But how do these teams survive and just keep up financially uh, season to season? Serie D, for instance, this season it has. Two debutants that have never played in Serie D before. Um, so two of those teams are Marina di Ragusa, and they're not your biggest club in Ragusa. They're maybe your third or fourth biggest. Very small club. And then you have Bianca Villa, which is an area uh, near the um, city of Catania. So these two clubs, um, financially, how do they keep up? Well, it's basically they have a lot of good uh, scouting regimes in terms of how they keep up to survive in um, when they play in bigger leagues. Uh, so Bianca Villa, for instance, uh, they're third at the moment in Serie B, and this is their first season in Serie B. Um, they've got Giuseppe Mascara, the former Catania player, former Catania legend. Um, he's their coach. And then for Marina di Ragusa, they've um, built a very good team in the off-season, getting a lot of um, uh, cheaper transfers in the market, um, getting younger players with a good mix of veterans and that. Um, I think these teams do all right because their stadiums are not, uh, if you say, they're not as huge as what Catania's are or Palermo's is. So they can get good crowds, maybe two or three thousand packed the you know for the weekend. So they do they do all right in that um, in you know in that um, element. But um, when they if they are to ever be promoted to Serie uh, A, for instance, or Serie B, that's when things get really tricky. But in Serie D. A lot of smaller teams can survive. Um, it's it's made for the uh, for the smaller teams, but it's just, it gets tricky when you go to Serie C and Serie B's when clubs start to fold up. And uh, just in terms of um, Sicilian uh, development for players, like I, I know we don't hear a lot about Sicilian players in the city. Uh, is it is it a knock on uh, maybe the development in in Sicily on finances? Like, what's that situation like? Number one, like. The Sicilian clubs, the majority of them play lower league football. I mean, apart from Trapani, um, all the other clubs are in third or fourth division. So when it comes to scouting uh, young Sicilian players, they don't really particularly look at those, you know, third or fourth divisions. They just continue to stick with 
you know, Serie A and Serie B to scout youngsters there or to scout them in, you know, um, Primavera. So um, that that's number one. And I think number two is I think a lot of Sicilian clubs, I know there's a big problem in Italy that uh, a lot of the younger kids are not uh, played as much. So they would prefer to play more experienced um, veterans or foreigners. Um, so in Sicily, I think that is even worse because a lot of young Sicilian um, players are not given the chance to uh, play for their club. And so they get loaned out then to, you know, you know, the uh, fourth or fifth division sides. So that that's when it starts to um, creep in and, you know, tarnish the Sicilian players' chance from getting up to the top. And uh, and and lastly, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of Sicilians here in Montreal. What would you say to uh, some of those Sicilians here about not only just following your pages, but also just about uh, following Sicilian calcio? Um, maybe advice if they'd ever go to Sicily to watch some calcio, and just uh, about connecting these Sicilians uh, back to their roots uh, in Sicily and in terms of calcio. Yeah, so that that's uh, that's been my main aim with this project uh, to get. Sicilians, especially abroad in um, in Canada and US and Australia, to get them to not necessarily like, you know, drop the teams like they follow like Juventus or Inter, but to start paying more attention to the likes of, you know, your hometown clubs, whether you come from Palermo or Catania or Trapani, um, and just to, you know, really um, – embrace with that club and uh, start connecting with your roots. You know, it is a much more, it's a much more special feeling when you're uh, watching games of uh, Palermo, Catania. So, for instance, for me, uh, you know, what, watching uh, Catania play when they were in Serie A, that, that's a feeling that it's just incredible. It's, um, I'd say it's more incredible than, you know, following – like a northern club because, you know, you're a Sicilian. So, yeah, when you see the Sicilian clubs particularly play in uh, Serie A, that's um, there's no more special feeling than that. Um, in terms of uh, uh, getting the Sicilians uh, to, you know, follow um, the Sicilian teams, uh, just, um, you know, uh, look at apps like uh, Tutto Campo I just mentioned and uh, – just start following along, uh, following uh, the Sicilian clubs on social media. Um, and because uh, a lot of the Sicilian teams at the moment are third or fourth division, so uh, just, you know, start connecting with them because, um, you know, they might want to connect with you, you know, if, whether you're a, um, a football writer or you do a lot of uh, social media work. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there to uh, – to promote, you know, Sicilian football. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Anthony. No, no worries. Uh, thank you for, for having me, Nick.
Francesco Cervi uh, beating Cancer, coming back to score an international goal. Fantastic season uh, for Lazio. And finally, we got some Serie A back this weekend um, after a two-week break. And, you know, because we didn't have the show last week, uh, guys, there's still some stories to talk about in the Serie A before we talk about uh, match day 13. And it's a, it's a match day that's going to treat us well. Uh, Ronaldo versus Sarri. The whole, the whole debate. I think it's nothing. I think it's it's kind of being blown out of pr- proportion on Twitter right now. There's something going on, but really? at the same time, at the same time, Ronaldo's kind of being a baby. He, he's kind of making it about himself. Let's know. And this was something of under under Max Allegri. He kind of allowed Ronaldo to be in the, in the limelight, and then. Sorry's not, so it, it's just making it for a bad situation, but they're both professionals. They both want to win. Uh, that's it. I mean, uh, I like he, you know, keeps his mouth shut, and, you know, he gets everybody on board, I guess, but, um, I mean, Saudi, Saudi is, a, is a different animal, a different, different uh, person, different manager, different coach. Uh, you know, obviously, very hard-headed uh, guy, but, I mean, I don't know, a debate uh, with, with this whole Ronaldo versus Saudi thing, I mean, substituted, uh, you know, what's the, what, what's the case? Because, you know, for, you know, I don't know, you and Saudi have to get on the same page if you guys, you know, want to do some great things, and I don't know, if you're injured, you're injured. If, if you're healthy to go, then, you know, you take the pitch and, and you do, you know, the stuff that we know Ronaldo can do. Uh, unfortunately, in, you know, the Champions League game and uh, their, their other Serie A game, I got substituted around like the 55th, 60th minute, and, um, you know, didn't see, the, didn't see the rest of him, so uh, and then he goes for Portugal and scores uh, scores all kinds. So uh, almost any, I think, what a hundred career goals left for Portugal is in, in the process. So um, I don't know. I think it's a lot of you know not paper talk. Uh, there's probably maybe a bit of uh, I don't know. You know, I'm not seeing eye to eye. I guess you can say. But um, you know, these two guys are professionals, as you said. They both want to win, and Ronaldo's a you know born winner. So I think you know these things will get bust. And. Uh, Johnny, another story that came out during the international break. Uh, Elif Elmas spoke to the media without uh, permission from Napoli. Napoli felt the need to tweet about it and let everybody know that their problems continue. And it's just the others. It's just more problems have become worse for Napoli. Yeah, it's. They're, like, I guess you can kind of compare it to what Inter was going through last season, let's say, where there's no, uh, there's there's some animosity in the dressing room. I, and it's, everyone's trying to point the fingers to Ancelotti, you know, his passive style is not the great style for the current team that he has. Oh, it's been almost two seasons and yet we're doing worse than we did before. And it's just a buildup of frustrations because I think now even the players are starting to realize that the window for Napoli is closing and it's almost shut completely. And what they thought that Ancelotti was going to be the one to get them over the hump, it's now putting them further down the hill. And Elmas, like, just venting the frustrations and whatnot. It, 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 it's, it's unprofessional to do it in that way without without giving, I guess, some form of a heads up or whatnot. But in the end, he is a player, and if he's just talking from his own personal view, he is allowed to give his own personal view and his own personal opinion. Unprofessional, but still, you're allowed to voice your own personal feelings and whatnot. So, I, I think maybe what he did 
It's, uh, it's unprofessional. Yeah, it's unprofessional. It's, a, it's unprofessional. But Napoli doesn't need to tweet about it. You leave that yeah. behind closed doors. Yes, exactly. And you're already in a mess. Yeah, you want to make the yeah. game a bigger mess. I personally, I don't think so. And uh, you could see in the in, in the way it's affected the team this year. They're spiraling down the the standings, and uh, I think it's the worst I've ever seen Napoli play since pre Cavani, Lavezzi, Hamsik era. I think there's a lot of factors. I mean, from from De Laurentiis to Ancelotti to the team. Uh, you know, to see uh, individual players, yeah, and nobody's on, on the same same page, you know. Uh, one person wants to do this thing. Ancelotti wants to do the players obviously don't want to go. Ancelotti's stuck in the middle. Yeah. He has to choose either, you know, the boss, the uh, Orentis, or is he going to, you know, stick with his players and, uh, you know, keep that locker room, whatever kind of, you know, uh, spirit that he has in the locker room together. Uh, for me, you know, in my point of view, that, that's a hard thing to do, um, you know. Ancelotti and everything. I mean, he's a born winner as himself, and uh, you know, as you said, passive mentality and passive approach to things. But uh, it's it's a sticky situation for Ancelotti. And personally, I, I don't like to see him in these situations just because I, I know he's a great manager and a great coach. And he's, a great capable he's capable of winning. He's capable of winning. But uh, I think this Napoli uh, is a total different challenge for Ancelotti than he's had in the past. That's my only probably knock, I guess, towards him. But not even a knock, just just a point uh, towards him. But. Um, you know, it, it's tough when you get put in these situations where do you choose left, do I choose right, and you know you're right, uh, you're right down the middle. I mean, like just quickly, the three Champions Leagues that he won, there was was it two at AC and one with Real. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like he's got he's got the the financing and the roster during those times. Yeah. Napoli, yeah, no, like right now, like Napoli does, is not at those levels at all of the of, of the AC Milan Golden Era or the Real Madrid Golden Era. So that's it. That's what I'm saying. Anyways, so. We're hitting December, uh, and then after December comes January, if we're going to start counting the, the months of the after year. After January is February. But what comes in January is the winter transfer market. Mercato Madness. And more rumors, speculations, more, uh, fake news. You have to really be um, skeptical of everything you see on Twitter. And one story that's starting to pick up traction, and... You know, this is a story I wanted to bring up. There's a lot of sides to it. Ibrahimovic to Bologna rumors. <laughs> and, okay, this story connects near Montreal, obviously. Yes. Because Joyce Puto owns the Impact and owns Bologna. Or, yeah. or at least part owner of Bologna. Yeah. And the current director of player uh, personnel or, or, or scouting, I don't know his, his exact role, is Marco DeVaio, the Montreal Impact legend yes. in, in Bologna. And, and DeVaio is meeting with Ibrahimovic. But... Meanwhile, Montreal, they just hired Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry yeah. as head coach. Yep. Nobody saw that. I mean, I, I, I was did, shocked, did, too. Did, did they play together, first of all, Ibrahimovic and Henry? Um, no, because... Uh, no. Uh, no, I don't think so. Possibly, but I don't remember. No, but because I think when Henry time. was at Barca, I think Ibrahimovic was still in Italy. Thierry Henry was in Barca with the late 2000s, No. Okay, regardless, regardless, it, it's a... Was early to the, no, I think he was still at Arsenal in the early 2000s. I think it was more towards okay. the mid to late. I don't know his timeline. But, but anyways... We'll, I th- we'll, we'll look it up, we'll look it up, but regardless of his exact timeline, um, he's a respected player. So, Ibrahimovic, the Bologna rumors, and, and you know, why not Ibrahimovic, the Montreal rumors? Why not? I know he just played in the, in the MLS, and he said thank you. But when you have a coach like Adi... Coming to Montreal, isn't that a possibility? When 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 Ibrahimovic is going to a club, did you that see what his salary demands club? were? 
with, with his, his sister club with an MLS team. Yeah, but did you see what his salary demands were? I think it was like something like about a million euros a month or something yeah, he wanted. I don't, I, don't, I don't see it happening. I know. I mean, I think he's uh, he came, he's calling, you know, he, he came, conquered uh, MLS with, with the Galaxy. Uh, you know, now all the fans over there can go back to watching baseball, as he said. But, but that's uh, the thing, though. He didn't, he didn't win anything. No, I know. But, you know, he played one season together. They did? The 9-10, yeah. Nine ten, um, but regardless, I mean, uh, Ibrahim Ibrahimovic still to Bologna. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the possibility he has uh, apparently has a you know relationship with Mahalovic over there too. So that's always you know that's always been in the, it's been in the news as of late. So uh, maybe you know uh, Mahalovic's situation, Bologna's situation can 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 pers- you know persuade him to come. But uh, personally, I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I, I, I would be shocked if he if he does. Um, but I find that so weird. I think Milan needs him. <laughs> no, but I just find that so weird because in, in Italy he's played for Inter, he's played for UV, he's played for AC. Yeah. Why go for Bologna? Why not? It's a different challenge. It's a nice city. It is a nice city. I'm not talking about the city. I'm just like it. A man of his talent, you know, like he's at the point where if he, 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 he's, he's on a, decline. No, but he's always been nomadic. He's always he's been the kind of guy who's going to go to a team, stay one or two seasons, and then go elsewhere to play. Like. Why would he come back to Italy if he's already played in Italy? Oh, I think he will, he will come back to Italy. If you get a job offer in Italy, wouldn't you go? I think he'll I mean, come if back. I get, but it depends on my if my other job offers. If I have <laughs> other job offer, offers elsewhere, I might nah, take it. I don't know. I, personally, I think he's coming back to Italy. I don't see him going to China. I don't see him. Going <laughs> if they to offer you ten million a year, yeah, <laughs> actually, sorry, not to a ten million. You're like more like twenty, like million, 20 million, million a year. This guy's got the money. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't see him going to China. Maybe, maybe there's that still has some hope, but I, I personally don't think so. I don't think he's going to you know South America to Boca Juniors uh, to meet up with the Rossi over there. I, I, don't, I don't see that. I do think he's coming back to Italy. Uh, what uh, what what team that will be? You know, is yet to be seen. Uh, obviously, there's links uh, to Milan. There's links to uh, Bologna. There was uh, even one point Napoli. Napoli as well. Is one gonna, point. Was name, yeah, uh, which can be a, an interesting situation over there because I think they do need uh, a killer up top as well. Um, you know, another team I fear in Tina with uh, all the guys that they're bringing in, like Eddie Goodies, the Kevin Prince, Bola Tangs. I think Ibra up top there with kids on the le- on the right and everybody uh, on the left. And it could be pretty dangerous. So I think there's a lot of rumors and it's just, you know, winning game at Katomanis, as we like to call it. And it's, it's definitely waiting to see. So, City have matched like, their team a couple of good games this weekend. Atalanta, Juve, Milan, Napoli, Torino, Inter, Bologna, Parma, more of a regional battle. A um, couple of minutes before we have to end our show. Uh, Milan, Napoli, I'll let you, I'll let you guys discuss this. Uh, two teams sp- spiraling downwards. I think it's going to end 0-0. And I think that's going to be fair to how both teams are playing right now. But uh, when two bad teams play and two bad teams of good historic value play, uh, it's still an interesting matchup. I, I think, uh, you know, it's one of those games, you know, you circle on the calendar and, and you look and you, you probably wouldn't, you know, think that these two teams would be, you know, in the state that, they're, that they are. But I think that, um, you know, both are, you know, are, uh, you know, on the slump, you know, sliding down the, uh, the standings, obviously. But um, personally, not just because I'm a Milan fan, I just think the Napoli situation, as we just discussed uh, earlier, is a bit worse than the Milan situation. Personally, I, I'm going to say that. Um, you know, is it like a landslide of how how bad each situation is? No, I think it's pretty close. But I think the Napoli situation, as you said, you know, this uh, this this run of, of good form and and of you know trying to win something is that door is slowly closing. And, and Milan's been you know uh, you know crap for the past uh, for the past seven eight years. So uh, it's been a roller coaster for that team you know these past years. So uh, going into the game, I, 
I would love to win, obviously. I think it would be huge for the team, uh, especially after they played against Juve, you know, only one left loss to Juve. So uh, I'm going to go with a draw, too, because I think it's probably the more realistic result. I'm going to go with a 1-1. I think I'm more, I'm thinking leaning more towards, like, uh, AC Milan win. It would be, like, some kind of, like, 88th-minute goal from Piontek or something, which, by the way, did you see his uh, comment uh he says, uh, if you would what if you were to leave AC Milan, he only wants to leave for like sixty-seven million euros or something. Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah. That, that interview got uh, yeah. messed around. My friends uh, at the yeah. Weekly podcast uh, were furious about that. So. I mean, like if that if that if that like little interview is true, I think there might yeah. be a little bit of a let's say a little bit of a lashback from uh, ownership, and I think there might be a bit of a, like maybe you might not even start versus Napoli, let's say, because it's a little bit of a punishment for kind of going up against your club. by, by kind of not sl- You're not slandering AC, but you're kind of saying, hey, I don't care for this team. i rather, this is like a stepping stone for me. When it's AC Milan, a team who's historically uh, amazing, like they have so much championships and whatnot. But back to the, this one game, both teams need a pick me up. Both bo- both teams are are struggling, and <laughs> this could be a game where both teams really p- bring it all out to try to get that W. And we see the best of both AC and Napoli, or or a race of two teams just in shambles, where it's like they like nothing's gonna work for either team, and it's gonna be one of those like 80th minute goals where it's like oh yeah, let's just put like AC puts one in the net and they win the game one zero. And uh, but one thing I will predict for this game is that if um, Milik actually plays, he hits it. He hits a crossbar, a post, and misses an open net right in front. Because knowing his luck recently, that that taxes Milik hitting the crossbar seems to be the trend right now for him in Napoli. You can get that tattooed somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I definitely agree. I think, you know, as you said, it's going to be an interesting game. It's, uh, you know, it's one of the games of the week, I would say. And, you know, definitely, definitely keep your eyes peeled on that. So that's going to do it from us uh, here at the Coucher Guys. Uh, you know, we'll kind of follow us back next week. We'll, we should be back in studio, I believe, right? I hope so. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Where was it? Yeah, we'll be back in studio next week at 2 o'clock like we always are. So definitely follow us uh, on our social media platforms uh, at the Coucher Guys on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well uh, to listen to the podcast. Follow us on Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud. I want to say all the clouds, but apparently you know, we're no longer on SoundCloud. Out there, but, uh, <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> YouTube as well uh, for everything cultural. And uh, yeah, tune in next week. Bye. Ciao.